This is the EMG Podcast Spotlight Interview with your host, Mike Saulpaul. So this week's Spotlight Interview catches up with EMG Music Director Mike Carleo. The first thing you should know about Mike is that he is a very intense guy. He's passionate about many things and always has his dial set to about 120. These are the very qualities that drew me to him when we met in a bar band years ago. Like nitro and glycerin, we instantly channeled our combustible energy into growing professionally together, onward and upward, first Cityscape and later EMG. Mike and I are friends, business partners, and the source of the other's many aggravations. I've always been in awe of his musical mind and unparalleled skill. For all of my raw and untrained ability that was forged on groove and honed over countless hours in my parents' basement, Mike's approach to music is refined, polished, academic. He approaches everything with a surgical and scientific precision that, in my estimation, is exhausting, and I surely never miss an opportunity to rag him about that. Yet, together, we have yinged and yanged our way to the pretty unique sound that is Cityscape. In this spotlight, we get a glimpse at Mike's worldview, and we cover everything from his familial musical background to Cityscape's specific groove. We run the gamut and literally laugh and even cry during this interview. After all, what would this be without a little range of intensity? So strap in and get ready to meet the most intense and talented man in all of showbiz, my friend, Mike Carleo. Don't clear your throat. This is a professional podcast, Mike. Just wanted to see how loud it was. You just got on my... Like a damn animal. Well, we're back in the mix here. What are you screaming for? I'm very excited. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, We're back in the mix here uh, with my other business partner, Mr. Michael Carleo. Mike, how are you, buddy? Today is a great day. (laughs) Today's great. I'm actually doing really well. Um, Had a great weekend. Good work weekend. Um... Got to see some cool venues, and uh, now we're back in the office doing some cool things. We did uh, a, a shoot this morning with our one of our violinists. Mm. More content, yes. Um, and of course, you headed that up because Mike is our music director here at EMG, so he oversees all of the live music, both of the bands and the live musicians. Um, you know, any any musical talent that's going out, whether it be with a DJ or by itself. That all runs through Mike, and uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about uh, sort of your your best advice for people. I know that you and Brian have been putting out this podcast about music, which I think is very uh, a very very helpful planning tool uh, for couples who are getting married. Yes, yeah, uh, that's good. Before we get into all of that, Mike, I always start with this: Who is Mike Carleo in a quick, fast soundbite? Mike Carleo, hmm, he's a hustler. I yeah. think I've been. I think that's like the best word that describes myself. I've always been like, I think my, well, I didn't think, but my nickname when I was a kid was the Tasmanian Devil. And that speaks to my personality and how loud I am all the time. And you yell a lot on the phone, dude. Well, the we're, thing is, we're in I, the office and you're like screaming, and I'm like, would you calm down, dude? Well, I, I was always getting yelled at, so I, <laughs> I had to speak when I was a kid <laughs> at, at a good volume. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my nickname, especially in martial arts. Just always hustling, always getting uh, things done, always moving like the Energizer Bunny. But the Tasmanian Devil sounds a little cooler. All right, we'll take it. So that's <laughs> it. All right. Feisty. 
Uh, let's, that's a good uh, note. That's a good word too. What is your background uh, in music? So I have a. Um, I've been studying music since I was in third grade. I started with the recorder, moved to the flute because I was. I like how your entry. You're like I started with the recorder. Everybody we all start with the yeah, recorder. I shouldn't have said that. Hot cross buns. That's the hit right there. <laughs> they. Okay. I started with the. It was back in '99, yeah. and I had the recorder. <laughs> Somebody, so funny. Somebody gave me a recorder like two weeks ago from at church. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, you could use this. I'm like, for what? Yeah. For, yeah. For next time your third grade music class breaks out. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw, um, and then uh, I was, the band teacher said that I, I had a good sound. Didn't know that. Didn't know <laughs> at, that. At the recorder. Didn't know that was possible because <laughs> apparently you could have a good sound uh, on that that's thing. That's classic. And uh, he said, you should move to the flute. Mm-hmm. Started studying flute. I got pretty serious with it. I started taking private lessons. Uh, basically, Right after fourth grade started. Side note, does your your dad played the flute? My dad, yeah. So my dad uh, was a multi instrumentalist back in the in the sixties, and he studied uh, f- classical flute and classical saxophone. He had one of the original alto Selma Paris. They don't make those anymore. Wow, that means nothing, nothing to if, anyone yeah. listening. If to a this. saxophone player is wow, listening, to this he had that though. Yeah, I mean, he had it, and he sold it for a Wurlitzer. <laughs> Which also means nothing yeah. to people. That's yeah. a that's a type of piano. And he still talks about how much he regrets it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so you had the lips. The lips ran in the family. The lips and they called me the iron lung. <laughs> Dude, this just keeps getting weirder. Yeah. All right. So they, you're, you're picking up the flute. You're playing that, right? Yeah. I, I um, started saying I had two teachers. I got to, um, my mom was a music director at Our Lady Visitation in Paramus. And she gave me a shot. Because uh, I didn't really like singing, so I got the chance to play in church, and I played throughout. You know, my mom gave me like one song starting out. Then I started getting a little more serious. Then I actually started getting paid when I was allowed to get paid mm-hmm. when I got my working papers. Um, she would hand me like fifty bucks underneath the table. It was actually underneath the organ bench <laughs> in cash. All right. And then uh, she fired me once because I didn't practice. Yes. And tough, that, tough lady. Yeah, it was about sixth grade. Yep. So it was good, good for my self esteem. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom started recording and arranging on a Christian album called Prayers from the Soul and then gave me another shot. Mm-hmm. I started recording on that and I would start taking lessons. I recorded on that one in eighth grade and uh, that's when I fell in love with the guitar, which was really nice. My, How'd you find your way to it? You just My like, dad always played in, in the house like, oh, okay. and my mom always played too. That's actually how they met. My, my, uh, my dad was primarily a bass guitar player and a guitarist. Mm-hmm because um, he played in a lot of different bands. That's what he did for a living in the 60s and 70s. And my mom was a professional musician since she was 12. She was a music director up in Spring Valley, New York. And they met on some random gig for, I think it was like a cocktail gig. And my mom was playing guitar and my dad was playing piano. So mm-hmm. it was the opposite of what they were really good at. My mom was feisty enough to say, um, can we switch? Because I'm better at it than you. <laughs> and most men would say, you know, no. And my dad did say no, but then he asked her out on a date, and then the rest is history. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. So musical family. Yeah. So fourth generation professional musician. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, and so you're taking flute lessons, then you stop for a while. I know mm-hmm. because it got a little too rigid. You didn't Ridiculous. have a good teacher. Rigid's not even the. It just was not good. Not fun. Yeah, it was not fun. Uh, switched over to guitar. Yeah. And became an accomplished uh, guitar player. Right. Yeah. So Went high school guitar, and then I did guitar in college, and. Yeah, so when you get to college, how do you make the decision to do music? Like, did you ever entertain anything else? Well, I, when I was in eighth grade, I really thought I wanted to be a lawyer, like a litigation lawyer. Mike, what kind of 
serial killer eighth grade kid were you you know why you want to know why fantasizing about i want to be a, a litigation lawyer it's because we had mock trials oh and i always God. won them a litigation lawyer <laughs> i don't even I, I could see like a lawyer for the sports stars or the music a litigation i just want to be in my office until 9 30 at night every night just piled with paper no i, I just love saying <laughs> objection <laughs> in in the mock trial could, oh man, yeah, that's what I want to do. So I, it was the I was a I, I played a lot of sports uh, as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was um, a baseball was one of my things. I played basketball in high school and I played baseball in high school. And um, I realized that I wasn't good enough to do either in college to get to get <laughs> to get a scholarship. Yeah, I, I realized yeah. that too. At, at age eight. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, T-ball is hard. Yeah. I couldn't. I did. I just couldn't get it off. The, I hit the T. <laughs> Well, that's going to be... Well, listen, we have a softball game soon. So. I know, I got to... All right, go on. Let me go get on. to the cages. Um, so... End of high school, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to I can't go. do this. And then I, right. I I was having... I started lessons in my junior year of high school for the first time. For guitar. Was, for guitar. Yep. And uh, I was like, wow, this... I think I really want to do this. I think I want to be a session guitar player. So, Explain what that is. A session guitar player is uh, is a musician that is able to get the uh, get a phone call one day and to go into a recording studio studio and record whatever music that um, that sound engineer is doing that day. Whoever hires them, yeah, it's a hard job because you have to yeah. be well versed in in multiple styles. You have to right? read really well, right? And you have to be able to adapt on the fly right away mm-hmm. uh, in that session because you only have a certain amount of time. You know, you only have like one or two takes to be able to do that. I like that. I think that's pretty cool. It keeps you on your toes and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so junior year, I made the decision and I quit baseball because I was doing, I was on the JV team. It's going to move to the varsity team. Um, and then I started auditioning for colleges. I got into a whole bunch of them, ended up at NJCU, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, the rest is history. I would pick the flute some, back up in college, right? I had to. Yeah. I, I, uh, I got in for jazz performance, but I didn't like it mm-hmm. at all. I didn't like studying jazz, uh, academically in lessons so i switched back to flute performance underneath the music business degree and um i graduated with a with a music business degree uh, under flute performance and i and then i was taking guitar outside of school uh with my uh very very good friend now jeff mackerlane mm, very interesting um all right so now you're graduating college mm-hmm. right and what what do you think in music wise? Like, what was the goal as soon as you got out? The goal was see how can I do this full time. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching a lot when I was in college. I was also doing dabbling in some musical pits, uh, doing some doubling on uh, guitars, mandolin, the banjo, ukulele, that's that, that type of stuff. But I was, I had like 40 students at the time at a studio and I'm like, holy crap, I'm not really putting a lot of time in this, but I'm making a lot of money. Maybe I can go down this route. Cause Jeff was more on the education route. Also, he mm-hmm. kind of was influenced me to do that as well. Cause I saw how lucrative it was and how much fun it could be and rewarding. Cause when you see your students get better, it's really, really nice. And then if you can make a living doing that, you know, that's what becomes right. The best part of that. So you have a whole bunch of private students. You're mm-hmm. playing on Broadway shows, doing yep. all of that. Um, and then uh, you get a phone call, excuse me, uh, an email one day <laughs> from a, a debonair in portly Michael Sawball. That'd be me. <laughs> yeah. And it says, hey, I heard you play the guitar. Yeah. I need a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I need a guitar player, right? Yeah. So... Um, 
So Mike went to the high school that I taught at. We didn't cross paths. I didn't teach there. Um, but when he was obviously enrolled, uh, but a few of my colleagues had Mike as a student, and um, they had you know knew I was a musician and said, "Oh, have you heard about this guy? You know, Mike Carleo?" And I said, "No, he sounds like an ass, though. He <laughs> sounds the worst." What do you mean you haven't heard of him? Oh, right, yeah. They said, no, he's got this band, um, he's on iTunes, which at the time was like, wow. Whoa. So I looked him up. It actually was a big thing. It was, yeah. So I looked at uh, I looked at your band, Break the Atmosphere, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. Um, I liked the stuff, didn't know what to do with it at the time, because I was just like, oh, this is cool. And then I went about my business. Yeah, you, um, didn't, you didn't have a... I didn't have anything going yeah. on at the time. Well, I had Steven's band was happening. Okay. And I was like knee deep in, uh, you know... T- Managing and doing yeah. all of that stuff, mm-hmm. writing with them. Um, but when that ended, um, about six months went by after it ended. So now it's about a year removed from the first time I hear your name. And uh, I was getting the itch to just play out again, you know. And I said, I, I'm <laughs> classic. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want music to be fun. I don't want it to be a job. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> right? we end up here. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, I'm going to put together a nineties cover band because I love that music. Um, nineties kids who would like that music are now between 25 and 40. Yeah, and I think spending money at bars. Yeah. They're going out to bars. I think that there's a real market for this, you know, but I needed a guitar player. I had all the pieces except for a guitar player. And then, well, you were playing guitar. We were looking yeah, well, well, not a, weak, but you a were lead guitar two, player. Yeah. yeah. Cause I don't, I do not play lead. Um, but I got the best right hand in the business, baby. You're damn right, man. Damn right. Uh, so anyway, so your name, like I remembered this conversation. I said, let me look this kid up. And I, I looked him up and uh, I found my way to a very poorly designed WordPress website, <laughs> uh, which I would later fix for you. And I reached out and I said, hey, you know, I'm a creepy old guy looking for a guitar player. And you said, hey, I'm a creepy young guy looking for an old guy. You know, despite despite it being disgustingly green on that website, because that green... It was like teal, dude. It wasn't yeah, yeah. even green. But anyway... At least it was functional because that's how I got. That's, that's how you got. That's very true. Yeah, and so Mike and I link up, um, and I think part of um, what attracted us to each other in terms of wanting to work together was um, I saw a kindred spirit in that you were like eight thousand miles. You were the Tasmanian Devil, oh, yeah. and so was I. And so we linked up. We we uh, are in this '90s cover band. Tell to, him the name, baby. Topanga's playlist. The yeah. pinnacle of my career. Yeah, you still you just really want to go back and do that again. I'm dying. Amazing. Um, so we're in this cover band, and because Mike and I are who we are, we're like we're not going out until we're a hundred percent perfect and ready to go. <laughs> you, so do you remember that rehearsal the yeah. day before our gig? It, wait, which one? <laughs> The day before, sorry for sniffling, but I was just laughing so hard. The day before our gig, the first gig we had in, in, at uh, at Midland, yeah. I remember Steven saying, even if we mess up, we just keep going like it's a real gig. All right, guys? <laughs> oh, at the rehearsal, <laughs> right. Because we would stop the rehearsal. We would rip everybody. Um, so, But the point I'm trying to make is that Topanga's Playlist was one of the coolest names, one of the coolest logos, super talented musicians. Brand was there. The brand was there. In in uh, in reality, what Topanga's playlist was, was about eight months of intense rehearsal and three gigs. <laughs> Had two gigs. <laughs> it, was, it was only it was two, two gigs. It was only two. Topanga's playlist. Yeah, it only took two times playing until four in the morning and lugging equipment out to my car for $100 that I went, hey... 
let's get paid more. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And plus, we had those big three-way speakers. Yeah, it was not good. And so, then we had to get there at like 2 o'clock in yeah, the afternoon. It was, just, it was just a lot of work. For not, the reward was not there. So, Because uh, we can't do hobbies. No, we can't. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, that's what we can't do. A, you know, that's a real problem. People look at me and they go, what's your hobby? And I go, I don't got one. I like to eat out, you know? <laughs> And so now, but now I have to go to the gym because all I do is eat out yeah. and I don't like doing that. Well, Michelle is doing a good job. Uh, and you, walked me, in, you walked in today like, like you were so a tin man. Our office manager, Michelle, sidebar, uh, is also going to school for physical therapy and she's got her CS. Uh, strength and conditioning, actually. I don't know. It's some sort of acronym that means she can, she's qualified to hurt you in a gym. <laughs> yes. And so. Um, Legally. Yeah, and so I, I said, all right, Michelle, you want to train me? I got I to gotta lose some poundage here. For the wedding. Yeah, for the wedding, for my wedding. And uh, yeah, I'm hurting, dude. I got this lower knot in my back. I look at these kids now. There's kids there that work in like, um, that are on like college football teams, you know? They're, they got the sleds and they're like throwing weight, like grunting. And they're all like, Yes, it's a true story. I'm looking down and I'm sweat, sweat is pouring off my face. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, you, this is so manly. And as I as I'm looking down and watching the sweat hit the ground, into my focus comes my right arm curling up a twelve pound weight. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Topanga's playlist two gigs. I it's four in the morning. I look at Mike and I'm like, hey, if we're gonna do this, then we're gonna we're gonna really do it. Let's do a, let's be a wedding man. Mm-hmm. Now that was a goal I had had for a long time. Well, that was what, since you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, I was like, this is I want to do it. I thought that mm-hmm. there was always something very um, romantic about it, which most musicians probably won't say. But I just was always intoxicated with this idea of like, and my life goal as a musician was to play with horns. Like mm. I had never played pop music with horns, and I just like I had to do that. There's nothing like it, man. No, it's it's just it adds a whole nother dimension. Mm-hmm. It just opens. I remember the whole that. Sound remember up. that. I remember that first day we brought him in. Uh, my two friends at the time, Ancy and Gabe, and uh, we rehearsed five tunes for a showcase that we did with Elegant yep. at the time in Staten Island. Our first one. With Our first Elegant, one. Yep. They did only five tunes, but the look on your face was 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 literally a kid walking yeah. into Hershey. Yeah. Like, it just was like, like dream realized. Ridiculous. So Mike and I start a band called The Bounce, mm-hmm. which uh, consisted of me, him, uh, Steven, our drummer, and uh, a couple other people who... Um, just couldn't make it, you know. Yeah. Didn't make no longer a part, no longer a part of the business. It might be our problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we we start this band and we find a refuge uh, with another entertainment company. Yes. Um, which I, I I don't even know how that came into fruition, but I don't want to get into it. But anyway, we we found ourselves there. One of my students was a he's was a kid. I mean, he was like eighteen, but he was a really really good DJ, and he was working for them. Oh, so he was a, he was one of their events. Yeah, he was. Then when he went to college, I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, do you know? you know, can you hook me up here? And they had another band at the time and that's how we got in there. Mm. Um, so anyway, we're there. It's just not working out. It just wasn't a good, great guys, just not a good uh, fit collectively together. We we were on two different planes, you know? So yeah, two alphas. Yeah. It just wasn't, it wasn't working. Wasn't working. No. So Mike and I have um, a crisis meeting in my basement at the time. Uh, and then the FaceTime crisis meeting, that was, that yeah, was where we said, what the hell are we doing? You know, like, are we about to start over again? Mm-hmm. You know, we just wasted eight months rehearsing for two gigs. I can't keep doing this. Um, we put a lot of time in that. Yeah, we did. And so we were spinning our wheels because it was like the right collective minds, but the wrong sort of time. Um, I feel like this is going on very long. I apologize, but I, I like the story. 
and yeah, so we uh, we were gonna start our own entertainment company. We we're just gonna go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, that sounds like a tremendous amount of work. It's the last thing I wanted to do. Um, I said, well, hold on. I met these guys a year ago at a wedding I attended, and uh, we find our way to EMG. I reach out to Tommy, um, and I say, hey. I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, I got this band. We come in, we meet. All right, now we're a part of EMG. Mm-hmm. And from there, the rest is just kind of history. Yeah, we, we get knew, in. The meeting went really well yeah. with him and his partner at the time. And we walked out and we were like, right, I turned to you right away. And I'm like, this is it. Yeah. We changed, this is the, perfect- uh, we changed the name from The Bounce to Cityscape. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Can't take credit for that one again. You did. That was me. That was Cityscape was me. Um and yeah, so we changed the personnel up. We mm-hmm. shot some new videos. We did what we had to do. We found the right pocket of yeah, where the, we needed to be. Yeah. And then on the business side of things, we got more involved here with the musicians right. and climbing the ladder, basically. And I do all the marketing and advertising. And uh, I was in. I was pretty in, in charge of personnel. Yeah, and an opportunity presented itself um, where you know the older partner that was here was kind of nearing the uh, the sunset, if you will. And uh, we approached Tommy and said, "Hey." Let's buy this thing. Let's do it. And that's what we did. And we so, and done do it. We done do it. Here we are. I have a couple of questions for you because mm-hmm. this isn't the Mike show. This is about you. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to the Well, wedding. it is the Mike show. That's true. Let me go back to the wedding band thing for a second. Okay. At any point in your life of being a musician, did anything like that ever enter your like, did you realize that was a possibility? Did you not think of it? Did you think of it and say, "No, I'll never do that"? Or like the the like a wedding band, like like a wedding or corporate event band, like a cover band that just goes out and plays, you know, at a high level. No, yeah. what was in my mind is that I wanted to play with a band. Mm-hmm. I knew, it didn't matter what band because I love collaborating with people, as you know. Right. We've done so many things. We've written tunes for Dunkin' Donuts. We've written tunes. For a whole bunch of people, we've written tunes for EMG, mm-hmm. and being in a band, there's nothing like being in a great band with really good people, and I think that's why I like Topanga's Playlist so much, is because I like you and Steven, I mean, we've been together for so long now, it's yeah. just like, the communication's great. I knew I wanted to be a part of a band, whether that was a touring band with a major artist, or whether that was a, a band that I started or a band that I was going to be in. I just knew that I wanted to be in a band. I didn't care what it was for, though, because I knew that right. playing pop and R&B music was what I needed to be doing. Got it. Um, so now let's talk about the music, because mm-hmm. now we're here at EMG, and you're running all of the music. Mm-hmm. What's your outlook? What's your opinion on the state of uh, event music, I'll call it? Oh, it's 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 poor. It's poor. And we get a bad, and musicians get a bad name for it. And I think it's due to some of. I think it has to do with you know the musicians themselves. There's a poo-hoo on uh, using one of your words on the wedding industry mm-hmm. for some reason, and um, people that you know I've I've heard even when I was growing up uh, with going through high school and some in and, and uh, college. Oh, you're you know the wedding industry is where musicians are. They're done. They're washed up. That's what they do well, just to make first money. Of all, people don't even refer to it as the wedding industry. We no. do. Yeah. They refer to it as a wedding band, right? And that has the connotation of if somebody says, oh, they're a wedding band or in a wedding band, that means they suck. Yeah. Um, and that's something that really always hurt me because mm-hmm. that was something I always loved. Um, but I think you have a newfound appreciation for that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, what I, what I want, I've always wanted to make a good name for anything and change people's outlook on what it doesn't matter what industry the musician is playing in they should be they should know that it is a 
a, a great thing to be a part of. So my job, and I think it was our job when we started Cityscape, was to change that connotation that we are a kick-ass band. Uh, we're going to bring an immersive experience to your party. And I want now, at, at running the live music across the entire company, I want to do that from the start of the ceremony all the way through the last song of your reception. And then I also want to do that for corporate events. I want to make sure that we bring the best absolute party to whatever event you're having. Mm. Because we are we now associate ourselves with musicians that want to be a part of that process, that want to be giving that that awesome feeling that I had when I see a band, yeah. a really good band. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, and I think obviously something that's very important to us, and we talk about this a lot, you know, we just made a decision this morning on something uh, based on the... Um, this principle, and that is talent. We need talent above all else. Yeah, premier know? talent, and yeah. and and I think it's because we've been exposed to what actual good talent is, and we are aware that it does not exist everywhere. Oh, I think that's yeah. important yeah, to yeah, know yeah. because I don't think everybody knows that, and that's why I think people kind of rely on us to to make that happen. And unless you've been actually been exposed to what a good band is, and you have the know how to understand that, it's almost impossible to find good talent. I think uh, where a lot of wedding vendors miss an opportunity is on the education piece. And mm. I won't speak from a vendor perspective. I'll speak about this from a... Gro- An educator? Uh, no, oh. a, a groom-to-be. Okay. I know absolutely nothing about flowers, right? So <laughs> Neither do I. When we sat down with a florist, you know, she's talking about different leave types, and I'm like, uh, what? Like, I don't know what any of that means. So I can't tell you the difference... If I went to three different floors and one said, you know, uh, 5,000, one said 10, and one said 15, uh, the only thing I can compare to is bigger. You know what I mean? Like with flowers, more, I'm like more, more or, or bigger. Like higher, I, sometimes it shouldn't always have to be higher quality with a higher number. But even if it was a higher quality flower, you I wouldn't know you the don't difference. Know. So I try to think about that from somebody coming in who doesn't know music. And I think that the education piece on vendors could help a lot more everybody mm-hmm. um, explain to me what the difference is between you know why one eight piece band is um, you know seven thousand dollars and why one is nine thousand what's accounting for that because if I'm somebody who doesn't know music I'm looking at this as like okay well there's seven people here or seven people there or would I say eight people yeah like, whatever whatever you said seven. there's eight musicians here eight musicians there and I'm shopping bands I don't know the difference mm-hmm. right so what would you say? to people who are coming into this process saying like, I don't know anything. How can they lean on you and your experience? In regards to uh, an EMG band or just like, I, I mean, cause whatever. it's hard to like, what I always say is, is that there's so many great bands out there. We do our due diligence to figure out, you know, what other companies are doing and how we can differentiate ourselves. The band's, when you go into searching for a band, the first thing you need to is is I'm going to use that that term that Tommy used in the first episode of his podcast with with Maddie is that that warm fuzzy, knowing that that butterfly feeling when you watch a band and you get those mm-hmm. chills. That to because music is subjective, right? Right. So you can have a Hudson Heist eight piece, or you can have a Cityscape, which is an eight piece, and they both have their unique sound. Mm-hmm. It's really what I always say to people is what band pop out pops out at you. It's that band that just oh wow that gives you that wow factor. I can see them at my wedding. Mm-hmm. And the way I explain it is is the difference in 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 investment because that's what it actually is. I don't look at an entertainment as an expense. I look at flowers as an expense. Mm-hmm. No one's going to remember the flowers. Yeah, maybe your aunt, mm. maybe. 
Um, but everyone's going to, every single person is going to remember if the entertainment was good or bad. It's pass or fail, right? So when the investment option is a little bit more expensive as an eight piece for a certain band, it's just, it's mostly because of demand and how much they're, they're in demand. It's just a simple thing of supply and demand. And the people that are more experienced and, um, I think for a couple hundred dollars more, if you wanted to invest into a higher band, you're you're going to see the and reap the benefits of that at your party. Yeah, I think with something like I'll take Cityscape since mm-hmm. it's our baby and we yeah. have spent every second of that band, you know, molding it to what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take myself. Okay. There are bass players in other bands, even at EMG, that I think are better than me. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the difference is going to make in the band. I think the way that we spend countless hours arranging, like, okay, this tune is going to flow into this, and we're mm-hmm. going to do a mashup here. Mm-hmm. and the, It's mm-hmm. all that behind the scenes that maybe at, at a reception is going to play out for yeah, but you, three minutes. You're but, not even talking about your best strength. Your best strength is absolutely reading the room. That's your best strength. Yeah. And you can't teach that to no, a musician. I don't even know. You know what's so funny? I know that we're going to be doing a podcast talking about like how to read yes. a room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I my answer I'm going to give is like, I don't know, I just I, do it. Well, I got some questions I'll be able to ask you. All right, that's going to hone in on that. But I think it's those little things that are providing the wow fact. Like, we hear from couples all the time, what drew them to Cityscape is, oh, your energy, your energy, your yeah, energy. But that, that's, that's like a, a buzzword. Mm-hmm. What's building that energy, number one, is we're maniac performers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're just out there and we're very energetic, number one. But number two, it's the way that we arrange our music and build our sets to build that energy. So never has a couple come to us and said, oh, we love the way you build your sets. They'll say, we like your energy. And really what they're saying is, oh, it's X, Y, and Z. And also, too, because we, as Cityscape members, as a band, we spend an, an exorbitant amount of time with each other. Too much, yeah, way too much. We vacation together. Yep. We go out together. That has we a work lot together. To me, that has a lot to do with it. And that's probably why Cleo was so good because they were, yeah, they were together all the time. You could just I, talk without talking. It's it's and that energy radiates off of the stage. I I tell the people all this all the time. Each one of our bands, they're all extremely good friends, and they all have an amazing radiant energy that comes off the stage because you can tell when people get along and when people don't get along. They could be great musicians and they can just play really well. I've been on those gigs before where you don't get along so with many, each other. Dude, it's so, terrible. so many musical pits where it's just us in a room. It's just really awkward because yeah. I know this person hates the other person. Yeah. I'm sitting in, in between. He's staring at me and I'm like, so it's it's awkward. And then they raise their flutes. Yeah. And it gets <laughs> ugly. Yo, I'll back you up with a recorder next time though. You, well, I got a wooden one two weeks ago. Oh, that's high quality. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Is it a Selma? <laughs> Did I just call it Selma, like Alabama? Selma. Selma. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, all right. So let's switch off of that for a second. Mm -hmm. I think um, part of what makes you, like, the ideal person to run the live music here is not only do you have a handle on your electric guitar and sort of the bands, but the the training as a uh, a flute. Can we... Is it flute? Flutist or flautist? Okay, what instrument do I play? You play the flute. Flutist. Right. Why do people say flautist? Because flaut, the flauto was German. You watch is your a, mouth when you're talking. You about watch it. your mouth. Flauto is from is is a German is the German word for flute. Oh, so you're a flutist? Yes. Because when I say that to clients, I'm like they think I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and they you know they don't know either. All right, so, so <laughs> all right, so you're a flutist. Yeah, but it's that training, that pedigree that I, I think helps on the ceremony, um, uh, church offering ceremony. 
um, the the cocktail stuff, like the more classical stuff. You know, I didn't even realize this. I'm just realizing it now. I've been around weddings my whole life. I've been playing for weddings since I was a kid. I mean, they I used to get hired to play for the church weddings at the ceremony. Yeah. My mom used to bring me in for. Um, you know, like the consultations, like what we have. Right, right. You know, it's, like, it's almost like a showcase. We're just showing them selections, and they always, oh, wow, you sound great. Uh, can we have you on the weddings? So I've been doing weddings professionally. A long time. A long time, and I didn't realize that because I'm always thinking about ceremonies on site. Right, right. But there's so many weddings at churches. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, my academic training helps me understand and uh, communicate that to other musicians that don't know how to communicate like we do, right? right. Like layman's terms, I, I just use all the time, but... Um, the musicians that we have are, are usually trained in some sort of way. And for me to have that know-how of the lingo of what people are asking for and, and things like that, I think will help, uh, does help on the efficiency and helps on the hiring process. Right. And yeah, helps with, on- with, with Cityscape, Mike is, um, Mike is like the middle of a Venn diagram, right? Because <laughs> Stephen and I are on one side as untrained musicians talking about feel and like, I'll literally turn to Mike and be like, something's not right with that ending. I need more... <clears throat> I need umph. I need mm, mm. and then and, and then, Michael literally go okay, and he'll and, turn to the rest of the band and go, "I need a legato." And I'm like, "What?" Because Gabe Gabe is looking at me like, "What the hell is he talking about?" This is, this sounds bad, and I'm like, "Gabe's was, looking at me." What was in, in the '90s song? Um, oh, semi charm kind of life, right? Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. I yeah. want oh, yeah. I'm like, yo, it's that part's not right. We got a bomb, bomb, bomb. He turns, he goes, I need a compound triplet, please. And I went, oh, how about I punch you in the face? <laughs> He's like, don't you ever use that term yeah, with Don't me you again. ever use that foul language around me. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I don't know. Who, oh, Gabe. Gabe was in the band at the time and he didn't understand what you were asking for. <laughs> compound triplet. Yeah. Let's see. Do you think when uh, Third Eye Blind was writing Semi Charm Kind of Life in the in their drug compound of a nineties hangout and said, you know what we need as a compound triplet? <laughs> I don't I don't think that happened. Actually, I don't think any songwriter yeah. has that has that uh That's very true. You know. Uh I wanna talk uh a little bit, because we talked uh, earlier about it, about the relationship between uh, the the triad of you, your mom, and music. Mm-hmm. Now that she is unfortunately not here, mm-hmm. what uh, links you, like, do you have a, a more ingrained or a special relationship with music because of the the link it has to your mom? Um, let's see here. I, you know what's funny? I realized my mom was so freaking awesome. She's one of the best improvisers I've ever, I've ever had the chance of playing with in music in, mu- in, yeah. in in specifically church music another thing people knock that they say they they can do i've had p- players sub for me and my mom was just absolutely like never call them again some teachers i've had like post college um and um music my mom and i had a had a really cool relationship we never really kind of like um talked about like anything like really really deep like i never really had i I maybe had a couple of deep conversations with her regarding ashley and um some other stuff i don't you know whatever about life or whatever it is and she's given her two cents but my mom and i have have always had a um a, a, a some of an unspoken language playing with each other whether it was her giving me her eyebrows or, you know, looking at me and I'm not even saying a word and I know what she was going to do. It's basically what we have with, you know, me, you and Steven specifically. 
that we do a lot. But my mom and I had to do that because I've been doing it with her since I've been in fourth grade. And she helped me um, realize what it took to do the gig really well. You know, so music to me and and the the triad of those relationships is it it's now f- more important to me now than it was before um you know she would she would absolutely i mean she when during the process in which when we were when we were becoming in a part of EMG and stuff my mom was always 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 asking me questions and you know saying don't forget about me you know i can still do these cocktail gigs and stuff and um so you know, she'd be really proud that, you know, I am where I am at 27, you know, owning a business with you guys. But um, music is is so important to me because of the relationship I had with my mom because no one else in my family had that relationship. They could, they just could never have it. And they're never going to um, because That specific relationship is, um, like, you know, you don't, you, there's nothing like a cityscape dance floor. So when you have a relationship with a mom or, you know, like a loved one, that, it, you know, music is a part of everybody's life. You know, you, I, you listen, people listen on iPods and they've, you know, you're, I remember with me, I had the iPod video and the video iPod or whatever it is. It's a part of everybody's life, but when you're able to make those vibrations go through and you start giggling when, when things are really cool or you just start laughing and then you get to do that every single weekend, you know, for hours, 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 hours with, with somebody you love and that's really close to you. The music is what really bonds those, you know, it's like gorilla glue on things. So, I am lucky that I was able to do that on a weekly basis. And now that the fact that I'm doing that with my best friend, Charles, who was great, but she's no longer there uh, physically, um, it's tough. It's really tough. And I don't know how I, I don't know how I'm still doing it. You know, listen, I'll lighten this mood up by saying a couple of things. Your mom would absolutely love the way I crack the whip around here in keeping this place spotless. Yeah. And she would love cracking the whip on me for every wrong bass note I hit. She, I would grow to disappoint her in so in so many ways. <laughs> Dude, your your probability last wedding went down from seventy percent to forty eight. Oh, horrendous. Less than half of the notes were correct. That was funny. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird thing. Like, I think the reason why we we are very close with each other is because of music. I mean, we're business partners and, we, and, and relationships are grown because the stakes lovers, are so high. Yeah. yeah. But we met each other through music. We continue to grow our friendship through music. We continue to grow our business through music. And, and what is at the root of it all is making good music. Yeah. You know, we are where we are. And the reason why we are moving in the direction we are moving is because well, the product is good. You and I, our partnership prior to... Tom entering that was based on a on a yin and yang. I mentioned this earlier, but like this yin and yang of uh, academic and not academic. But the the level of uh, the attention to detail, I feel that you and I have is the same 
about different things. Mm-hmm. And collectively together, we're able to sort of check all of the boxes. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So there are things that I am just so maniacal about mm-hmm. that you're not. Presentation. Yeah. And there are things that you're huge. maniacal about that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. You know? Well, that, I mean, if it was the same thing, I mean, that doesn't really help. Right. But but again, at the root of the whole thing is music. Yeah. I mean, in or- the reason why Cityscape is as so successful is because the those vibrations are unique to us. Yeah, you know, I I'm, I'm having an epiphany as we speak right now. I can't I, I I don't mean to speak ill of anyone and I don't denigrate other people, but I think that if I could succinctly put together what makes our company different, mm-hmm. it's how deeply music and family is rooted in what we do. Yeah. Right? It's mm-hmm. not just cuz we know people in this industry. Yeah. Send, you know, Chucky, I don't know who Chucky is, but yeah. send Chucky to go play the cocktail hour. It's right. like mm, no, we I when we put people on jobs, yeah, we put our we specifically we put our people. and we we formulate ideas in which we think who is going to be the best person for this job musically. You know, I don't consider Tommy, Maddie, Brian, Austin, you know, Fauzi or you know Sean you know, DJs, I consider all of us musicians because music, you know, musician is a, like a physician or, you know, things like that. People that understand music is why they're so successful. You know, I, I, when I used to, when I was an intern at Universal Music, not one person, not one person was a musician in that place but there were there were people that in that machine that knew how to sell music but the amount of turnover that there was in that three month span in which I was interning was ridiculous my supervisor was almost you know replaced the amount of people that were middle management gone gone week after week after week because they could never find the person to do so the what EMG does differently is that our attention to detail about the music because that is what is it, this is all about is we're providing the soundtrack it's literally in our name we, yeah we're providing the soundtrack right. for the biggest day of their life and I know for the fact that there is no one who is who understands or is as passionate about getting the details perfect or imperfect. Um, for that soundtrack is as good as us and that has the background and the knowledge in which to do so. Now, everybody has their own traits. I I believe I have a very, very strong attention to detail to how music kind of intertwines and and connects with each other with every instrument because I'm listening to everything. Mm -hmm. You have a great feel for energy and what just feels right and sounds right based upon that interweaving, if it does work or if it doesn't work. Steven, everybody in Cityscape, Tommy with... Um, Tommy's phrasing is really good. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, phrasing is uh, when you get to certain parts in the songs, knowing as a DJ where to cut, how to cut. He understands four bar and eight bar phrasing. It's yeah. basic phrasing in music, right? Yeah, right. But it's not basic to certain DJs. Maddie and Brian with their selection on... What is what like reading the energy? That's understanding 
what their what their musical ability is to be able to reciprocate that. And I've been to a lot of weddings with other DJs and they've been fine and whatever it is. I'm not even talking about event hosting because you're not you're not hosting the whole night. But the DJ, I mean, technical and all that stuff, there's no one that compares to our company. And I would put up any of our DJs or any of our bands against another band or whatever it is. Because I understand we I understand that we put the people together correctly to give that best possible musical soundtrack. Well, it also took us forever. <laughs> I mean, look, there there was a joke you and I had. We ran through Oh, Jesus Christ. How many? Eight or nine musicians? Yeah, we yeah, for Cityscape, yeah. Right? Uh, at different positions mm-hmm. to find this current iteration. I mean, the only people that were current. You, me, and Lit, Steven. Me, you, and Steven. Yeah. And the only reason why Steven is still here because he's your brother. I would have fired him years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, years ago. Best, best. I mean, I in on that album on, on Break the Atmosphere is one of the best drummers I've ever played with. His name is Mike Shaw, gospel drummer, unbelievable, a lot older than us. And he said to me, first rehearsal of R&B rehearsal when there was an R&B ensemble, I told you this story. And I thought I was hot shit because I went in there and everybody said I was a good, good, good guitar player. And mm-hmm. pop music was finally there was an outlet for me to play R and B and blues and stuff. Playing this rehearsal, and then he goes to me and he says, "Man, he's looking at me. He's like at this stop, and Andy's like saying something to the band or whatever. And he goes, yo, yo, man, you good, but your time is shit.' And I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm looking. He's like, you know, 28, 29. Right. I'm 18. I'm like, what did this guy just say to me? And then I realized, wow, I really don't have good time. So I started practicing with metronome. So, but Steven is somebody who's grown. You know, I was in the Cleopatra Club right away. That Right when I left your house, I went into Steven's car and listened to his band. It was great. But the amount of gigging he does over, you know, rehearsing and practicing is exponential to his growth. I mean, he's done way more gigs than a lot of professional musicians that I know. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best, if not the best, pocket drummer I have ever played with. Yeah, he lives in the pocket. His fills po- Yo, are tasteful. Des- how do you describe what the pocket is uh, for, pocket. A no- for a non-musician? Okay, let's talk bowling. What? Wait, let's talk what? bowling. Give me like a second. So when you hit the pocket in bowling, it's when that ball curves right in at the right spot and knocks all the pins down and gets a strike. I mean, you know right off the hand it's going to go. You want to know why I know that? You can go check out quick questions for that one. Um, so in the pocket in music, it's it's a, it's a um, it's an, it's not a concrete thing in which you can mathematically say, though, this is the pocket. No, it's a feel in music where the tempo and the groove of the song is sitting absolutely perfect in the time in which it's supposed to be in. The pocket, when you're playing, the best academic like definition I can give is it just feels right. It feels right. right. It yeah, feels that's right. it, right? Yeah, I mean, it feels absolutely right. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. It's not accelerating. It's not decelerating. And then on top of that, it makes you want to move. Yeah, yeah. It's it's where it's it's where the the song drives itself. Every every song has its own pocket. Mm-hmm. Whether it should be a little a little on top of the beat, whether it should be behind sitting, you know, certain songs, whether it should be right on the beat. But on top of that, Stephen does these fills differently every time and there are certain things that he comes up with that he hears musically that is accentuated by the drums but then the other players in the band cues off something are else, right. influenced and to think i didn't want to tell steven this when he was on the podcast he was an accident my parents didn't even want to have him. <laughs> no i'm just kidding. <laughs> it's my brother too wow <laughs> my brother unbelievable too. So, you know, for instance like in september and during the second verse yep 
that that beat till September da like that end of two right academically is not something that's ever been done and he started playing that and then the moment Gabe and Adrian started hearing that Stephen didn't have to say you need to put that in there I hit the bass note now too yeah. do you remember Bow. yeah 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 obviously you know during the second verse but that is what um that's what is really great about Stephen is that like somebody who's never had lessons before. Well, it's not. It's just yeah. We're talking singularly about Stephen. It's yeah. not. It's about the musicianship of the musicians we play with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's. It, but the reason why we're able to do is because we. And I'm not trying to tutor on here, but you have to be able to identify those musicians. Yeah, you have to. You do. Hold on. We're a thousand miles from comfort. You gotta is, play a little yeah, cityscape. No. Gotta play a little cityscape. Sammy's also like one of the best vocalists I've ever worked with. Everything she sings is freaking perfect. Hear that, ladies and gentlemen? That's the pocket. Yeah, sitting right there. And if you fast forward to the chorus, no, no, which will happen in a second. the drums here because we were talking about it. Yeah. Keyboard's filling off of that. Yeah. Not too fast, not too slow. This dynamic. I mean the the technical playing is really good. I mean you're adding you're adding the te- like his hi hat playing is 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 incredible too. He's his notes are even. It, it's just it's just moving. You have to listen to the certain things that are going there. Actively listen to what the pocket yeah. is. You can't just listen to music and say, oh that that's the. Yeah. You have to actively listen to. So that here's group. here's a recording of a live uh, live track. We're playing Sign Seal delivered Stevie Wonder at a wedding. This is faster than the original. Correct. But if you listen to the way Stevie plays it live, it's, he, it's you know... But just faster doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that you're out of pocket. And a little, little backstory here. Prior to this recording, that first set was considerably the worst that Cityscape has ever played. Uh, this the worst. particular wedding. The inner monitors were not working. They were so... The, yeah. the static was so loud. So we were coming off of a set with very, very low self-esteem. I mean, it, it was obviously, it was fine. It was fine. But for us, it was really bad. We were all frustrated. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Mike and I were like, we got to go. Guys, forget everything. We need to hit it. Let's hit it. And this is what happened. Park Avenue horns, though. Dude. And then him hitting that hi-hat or the crash with the horn players. It's just, okay, I didn't. I want to do one more thing. I mean, we haven't even spoken about Remy. I mean, 
I call I mean, him Black Jesus. I mean, literally, every. I mean, he came into our band of March of two thousand eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. After we had put in a lot of time in our previous singer, coming into a spot where the band has already been established, we have gigs on the books, and um, one of the weirdest kind of things for him, I, I, I can imagine coming into you know with a lot of you know our egos are pretty big, whatever. <laughs> Every single gig he he sings, he's improved. I mean, every single gig. And the rapport that, that him and Sammy have... It's special. I it's think- ridiculous. They're the best two... And I'm going to say this right now. I will never, ever, 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 unless Whitney Houston came back from the dead, will sing, will be able to perform with better singers than Sammy J and Remy Martin. Except for ever, me, maybe. Except for you. And let me tell you something. You're Frankie Valli... On that same gig. Do you want me to do Frankie Valli fir- right now? Their first dance? You're just too good to be true. That's another story of the cruise. Can't take my eyes off of you. <laughs> Frankie's singing the song. Do you know he was on Jersey Boys? Uh, I want to hold you so much. <laughs> so we're on a cruise, right? And uh, I get up to do karaoke. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm defending you in this one now. Yeah. And I get up and I go... I love you, baby. And Mike turns, apparently at the time, turns around to a couple and goes, you know, he was the understudy (laughs) for Jersey Boys on Broadway and everybody bought it. And I said, what? (laughs) I'm like, we're from New York. Yeah. So I'm giving like this fake New York accent. it's quite all right, I need you, baby. No way, you got to be kidding me. It's on this cruise, on this cruise. I'm like, yeah. You know who I also do, though? Randy Newman. I know, Randy Newman. Randy Newman might be as good, if not better. <clears throat> Should I hit him with it? Hit him. You got a friend to be. You got a friend to be. This is completely Where sober. Where you roll up. Rougher head and you miles and you miles from your nice warm bed. That's my first dance song. He's going to sing you it. You just remember what your old pal said. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> got a friend to be. It's fantastic. Dude, that's incredible. But I like... We we kind of we kind <laughs> how of just, re- dude. How do you recover from Randy Newman? I don't know, but it's so funny how things work out. My Obama needs to get better. Uh, it's it's okay. We're you tra- fired up. No, see, I yeah, one more time. One more time. Right. <clears throat> Hold on. We're fired up. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Me up, folks. Yeah, it's not yeah. good. Well, My Bill Clinton though, I did not have. I don't know. You know what it like? The, the little yeah, pauses. Yeah. yeah. I, I what are say, we doing, Mike? Well, it's, I, it's one o'clock in the morning. All right. But what I am will say this. And I'm singing like Randy Newman. Well, the thing is, though, we almost, we kind of ran into these singers by chance. Let's say how we ran into Sammy. If it wasn't for being at EMG, Cityscape wouldn't be Cityscape. Remember when Tommy was like, hey, when we were looking for new female oh, singers, God. I had my wife sings. And, and you know, like, the boss of the company goes, at the time, he's like, yeah, my wife sings. And I remember going to you going, what if she's terrible? Yeah, what if we say no? And Tommy's right. like, no, 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 if, if, if she's not a right fit, don't worry about it. Because, you know, Tommy's like really approachable and like a normal human being. Unlike us, which is what makes yeah, him Yeah, because a if partner. I would have said my wife is in it, you damn well better be hiring her if you want jobs. Correct. You know? Anyway, thank God Ashley doesn't sing. Um, but, and then you ran into Remy by accident because Tony, my uh, fiance, your fiance, sang, with him, sang yeah. you know, in, at St. John's, right? Yep. And um, in the choir, and you heard him sing that leave, and you were like, this is the guy. That's the guy. This and, is the, you know, and I was, I was like, Let me, show me a video. And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. And then when he came and sang, I was like, holy shit. You know what, what I said when he came to sing? And when Sammy came to sing, I said, you got a friend in me. <laughs> did you really say that? In my head, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
Um, but yeah, so are you uh, are you enjoying your uh, your time here as, as music? Director? What's your the favorite thing that you do? There's so many different things. I don't know. I, I can tell you I love creating. It's given me an outlet to, you know, that's one of the things you said when we created this content studio was it's going to it's gonna allow us to get out of our desks and become, and get more creative. I think we've all become more creative. I've utilized my engineering, uh, you know, I'm better at engineering uh, mm. traits. I'm better at uh, coming up with jingles. That was one of the things I needed, I thought I needed to work on as a, as a musician myself. Um, I get to play, you know, an instrument whenever I want and I'm having a hard time not leaving. Sorry, I'm having a hard time leaving this office, which yeah. is really which is putting uh, a strain on my body. But um, I get up. I go I, see Michelle. I know. I get up early, and I get here around eight eight thirty, and I don't leave. Sometimes we last time we did we did a podcast. I left what we left at like two in yeah. the morning, yeah. and then we're back here at eight o'clock. So, um, well, I am, and. Um, the mo- I think the most fun part is that I'm able to oversee a whole bunch of musicians. I'm able to uh, help out a lot of friends that are looking for work, which is great. And I know that they're great musicians. I'm mm-hmm. not just helping people out. They've earned those jobs. And I get to work with two of my closest friends on a regular basis. You know, yeah. you and Tom are, you know, I get to work with you guys. And it's great having you here full time. And I think that you, um, going back to how we open this thing as the Tasmanian devil, we get to wear many hats throughout our day here yeah. from the boss of like making, talking with our accounting team and like making financial decisions mm-hmm. to like shooting stupid videos, to yeah. playing instruments, mm-hmm. to talking with clients, to planning. It's like, it's great for our ADD. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I, uh, when you go, it's as a business owner, usually people are just dealing with like bureaucratic, you know, administrative stuff. Right. We get to do everything, which makes the makes the the non fun stuff worth it because we have access to everything else. Yeah. You know. So where do you? I asked Tommy this question too. Where do you see us? Where do you see yourself and EMG in five years and in ten years? What do you want out of that? The next time period here. I want us to be. Um, pioneers and leaders in this industry in a couple of different ways. I think in the live music sense, I think we have done a great job on giving the utmost quality of live musicians to our events, not just weddings. Uh, we've sent people on corporate events. I just sent yep. you know a jazz trio a couple of weeks ago, and the that great. I want to bring that that radiant energy from our musicians for events because this has been a patronized industry since it's dawn. Mm-hmm. So I want us to embrace that because people are spending money on us to be entertained and that's what we should be doing. And in doing so, I think we need to help other companies how to figure that out. You know, because there are great musicians everywhere in, in, in the world. They just don't know how to access the net. So I think we should, I would like to be a, a consult yeah. with you two on how to do that within five years, within 10 years. I, I We should open up multiple different locations. Because we should be giving that immersive experience that we're giving in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut to everywhere. Yeah. You know? I often wonder about that because we live in the like the perfect triangle here of the mm-hmm. tri-state area of like the Super Bowl of weddings yeah. in the country. People spend the most money on weddings in this area. Yeah. It's not only just about the money, but it's the scale of things as well. Right, you know? right. So like I had a buddy of mine moved out to California and he called me and he said, hey, do you know any 
wedding bands in LA and this and that. And I, I didn't, but you know, I kind of helped him through the process and looking at things and it's, it's a different world. So I mm-hmm. wonder if it will be transferable. That's what excites me is how do we take what we're doing here and, and looking at a wedding like a Super Bowl as opposed to Austin, Texas, where a wedding is like a wedding, you know? So well, uh, we, I think that the traits that we have here, it's hard to achieve what we're doing here that in, in my opinion, that to, to figure out how to adjust the way we do things. Frank said it. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. That's baby. right. Because I think we can adjust what we're doing here to some other, other demographic and other industries. You right. Know? I don't, I think music is music. No matter what, talent is talent. Pop, you know, great talent is that, and it's just about figuring out the know-how of what that specific region is asking for. Hmm. Deep. Mm-hmm. It's almost as deep as our next segment, Mike. Oh, geez. Are you ready for quick questions? Will you play with me, buddy? Let's do it. Here we go. What fashion trend do you tend not to get on? The um, low pants on your hips. Which of your presidents was your favorite? Uh, Reagan. <laughs> what? I don't think you were Reagan. alive. If you could, uh, okay. How many keys do you have on your key ring? Oof, at least twelve. What's your favorite song? Oh my god. What is hip? What is your least favorite type of music? She's gonna kill me. Country. Ooh. If you were a superhero, what would your powers be? Ooh, uh, definitely flying. Hmm. What is your favorite thing about yourself? <laughs> My energy. It's definitely not that laugh. No. If uh, if you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go? Ooh, I would go to 90, the 90s hip-hop scene in New York. You can go anywhere at any point in human history, and you're going to go to, like, the studio where Tupac got shot? I don't understand. No, no, where Biggie was. <laughs> oh, well, then much better. And finally... Uh, well, actually, I don't have to do this as a hypothetical on this one. You are getting married. I am. You are Ashley. using EMG. Mm-hmm. What are your offerings going to be? What's your What's your whole day look like music wise? Okay, here we go. I got a, an arrival DJ for my ceremony. That means when people arrive at that valet, they're having music from DJ Austin, who's going to be playing some deep house mixes. Beautiful. And then as you are arriving into the ceremony space, I'll be having a harpist uh, for that ceremony. It's going to be playing beautiful, beautiful prelude music. And then for my cocktail hour, I'm going to be having a jazz guitar trio with guitar, vocal, and bass. Nice. And then for my reception, I'm going to be having DJ Austin, who is our one of our event hosts here with uh, a Park Avenue saxophone player, specifically Adrian Condis, nice. with a percussionist. We better hope He's not on Saturday Night Live by then. Oh, God. He better be there for my wedding. Anyway, moving on. For the first three hours and the last hour of my wedding, I'll be having our premier Latin band, El Ritmo. And then for the after party at back at the hotel, DJ Austin will be spinning some tunes for the last two hours. Look at this. Look at this. Mike Carleo, EMG's music director. Thank you for uh, giving me your afternoon. You're welcome. Take care. You can find us at elegantmusicgroup.com or on Instagram at Elegant Music Group.